weeks the Lord has really been stirring something up and stirring a word up in my spirit for you guys and it's something that really blessed me and and it helped me get through what I was going through and many of the times that the Lord gives you something it's for somebody else amen so even if it comes to being blessed in finances it's to bless you but it's also to bless others we're blessed to be a blessing So now let's take it to the spiritual aspect. When God gives you a word, when God gives you something that helps you, that's good for you, that's like, man, I heard this and this this changed me. This did something for me. Now it's our job to what was freely given to us to freely give to somebody else. And then you'll start noticing that when you have conversations with people, the Lord will start sending people in your path. And you have a conversation with somebody and that person will be going through the exact same thing. When he gives you a word, it never fails. It never fails. And I truly believe that today, the word that the Lord has given me for the church today is going to bless and it's going to help a lot of us. And I believe that it's going to pull us out of some areas of darkness in our thinking that'll get us into God's light, to get us into the right way of thinking. So a couple weeks ago, I was uh, on my way to work and uh, life, life just gets busy, amen? Life just gets busy. Deadlines are coming in. Bills need to be paid. Things need to get done, right? And you only have so much time. And then you got to spend time with family. And then people want your time and people are pulling on you. You just kind of get this frustration sometimes. And, and this frustration a couple weeks ago, it came over me. And I was like, God, what is going on? I mean, I'm praying in the spirit from store to store. I'm praying out loud. I'm singing. I'm like, all right, God, what's going on? I was frustrated and I'll never forget it because I was driving down the road that day and I got this thought and ever since I got that thought a peace flooded my life but what came with that peace was an understanding of what was going on and I knew it was from God because I was no longer frustrated I was happy I was I was back in my spirit where I needed to be I was back where I needed to be And the Lord dropped this on me. He said, don't let the devil have your remote. Don't let the devil have your remote. And I said, God, what do you mean by that? Translation, don't let the devil have your thinking. Don't let the enemy... Have a, have a hold on your mind. Don't let the enemy have your thinking. 
And every time frustration came, that thought came to me, don't let the devil have your remote. And I was able to switch my thinking. And by switching my thinking, it took my mind off of where my mind was going because I was being misguided by the devil. I was being misguided from the plan that God had set for me. God wants me to live in peace. God wants me to live in joy. God wants me to live in happiness. I'm not even talking about the destiny and having to come to church and being planted in the house of God to get to fulfill my purpose. I'm talking about internal stuff. Because if you're not enjoying it, if you're not happy, if you're not getting the peace, then what does it matter on that walk? God wants you to be happy. God wants you to have joy. God wants you to be free from addiction. He loves you. He wants these things for you. So as I continued uh, to go on throughout my days, slowly but surely, every time this frustration or life or temptation tries to keep creep in, right? All these things. I noticed what the devil was doing. And I asked God, what do you mean don't give the devil my remote? He said, when the devil has your remote, he can change your channel. And if he can change your channel, he can change the way you think. And then if he could change the way you think, he could change the picture that's created in your mind. And then what happens is you start meditating on this picture. You start meditating in this thing. And then what it does is it creates the desire in your heart, whether it's evil or whether it's good. It creates a desire in your heart. And that desire in your heart, positive or negative, is gonna send you out on a course of action. So I backtracked it all the way to the root. We talked last week about shrubs and we talked about trees. And that God wants us to be planted in the house of God. He wants us to be a tree. He wants our roots to go deep. And as I was uh, sitting this week, I was looking outside in the morning, I was meditating and I looked at this tree that was full of fruit. Three quarters of the tree was green and the other quarter, the top half of it, the top quarter of it had good fruit on it. And I was eyeballing that good fruit because I wanted some. It was too high. But then I noticed something. The next morning came and I looked at that tree again. Now, this time it was reverse. Three quarters of the tree was red and the other quarter was green. And I started thinking about it and I caught it. God, you are telling me in your word, if I'm supposed to be planted like a tree, we're supposed to be like cedars in Lebanon. What God is trying to do with this book is he's trying to create a picture so you can see what he wants you to be like. And I caught it. I said, man, that's amazing, God, because this tree, little by little, every day is pulling water out of the ground pulling water out of the ground. Clean, fresh water out of the ground, pulling it up, feeding the fruit. My question to you today is what have you been feeding your spirit? Because if God is saying, I'm a tree, and if I'm a tree, a tree feeds off of water, and I need to be feeding myself off of the water of the word. And here's the thing. What happens when you feed a plant anything but water? 
What's going to happen if I start dumping sugar water and uh, Coca-Cola on a plant? It's going to kill it. We are only meant to be as disciples of Christ to be feeding on God's word. And whether we like it or not, there's going to be constant change. But the change is up to you. The change is up to you. God gave us our new spirit. Our spirit's clean. It's white as snow. We're sin free. God sees us how he sees Jesus. There's no change in that. But church, we can't sit back and be content. We just can't sit back. And this is why we always say you see Christians in church 5, 10, 15, 20 years. But yet they got the same attitude and the same mentality from the first day they got saved to where they're at then in the church. They never took the time to renew their mind. It is our job as a disciple of Christ is to learn about Christ. To feed on this word. Now listen. Whether it's just a little bit day by day, whether it's just one scripture in a devo day by day, you're feeding yourself the word. The word's going to produce fruit eventually. It might take you longer, but eventually over the course of 5, 10, 15, 20 years, here you are this big tree because you've been feeding yourself the word every single day. So as disciples, we have to constantly feed ourselves the word because when we get content, and when we step back in life, the devil takes our remote. And he snatched it from me. And I'm here to tell you today that you have to take your remote back from him. Because some of, some of us in here have been so misguided, so misled by the devil that we don't even see what's really going on. That over time, we've been meditating in our past trauma. We've been meditating in our old life, what it used to be like. We've been meditating on promises that haven't came to pass. And we keep looking at the negative. God, why are you, why are you not performing your promises? God, why are you not doing this? Why are you not doing that? And this whole time, we're not feeding ourselves what God really says. So then the devil sends you on this journey along this road in your mind and he controls your thinking. And he's going to send you on this journey down to a place that you never should have been in in the first place. Don't let the devil have your remote. Because this is what he did for Adam and Eve to fall. This is how the devil, the Bible says he was craftier than all the animals. This is the way he slithered his way into Eve and he caused all this ruckus in her. The Bible says that Satan is the God of this world. And when Adam and Eve sinned, we gave up, Adam gave up everything. All authority all dominion. It was not God's will for us to be going through depression, through anxiety, losing loved ones to gang violence, whatever it may be. You could put your situation in that picture. It was not meant for us. So I'm going to walk you through this story of Adam and Eve. And there's some things that I found in here that really shook me. 
that really um, spoke to me. And, and we're going to get into uh, Genesis chapter 2. But before we get any further, sorry, we're gonna, yeah, we're going to get into Genesis chapter 2. But before I get into the Genesis chapter 2 scripture, if you could put that on the screen, I want to give you a little context of what is going on, right? With a show of hands, how many of us, of us know we've heard the story of Adam and Eve, right? Keeping it very simple, Adam and Eve, right? So the Bible says this, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So nothing was formed, it's dark, but the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. And the first thing that God speaks into existence, he says, let there be light. I submit to you today that in the dark areas of our thinking, God is saying to you, let there be light. But in order for you to receive that light, you have to be willing to accept what the word of God says, even if you don't like it. Even if it's hard at times, even if you got to fight back and forth with some of this stuff. Come on, we all have to fight this war. It's not easy. Am I the only one that was born in a world of chaos? No, we all were. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. We all fall short. The devil has had us mentally seduced our whole being. I always take a look when... I either go to the AA meetings or if I'm at a church, I always look at the empty chairs. And I always think, especially in the AA meetings, because I was this close to never getting a spot in that chair. If I would have never had a spot in that chair, I would have never had a spot in these chairs. So I always like to look and think, man, those that suffer from addiction, the family members some of us in here may know have died from addiction. This ain't a game, y'all. The devil ain't playing. Why should you? It ain't a game. And I'm always so thankful and grateful that I was that close. Because I cherish and I value those seats. But I always think, man, how many people are sitting in the lake of fire right now? that wish they had an opportunity to walk through the gates of heaven at Elevate Life Church, walk through the gates of heaven at Elevate Life Church and sit in an AA meeting and be free from this addiction to serve God the rest of your life. So let's bring some light into these areas of, uh, of darkness that the, the enemy has a stronghold. Let's take our remote back and let's change the channel. Don't let the enemy sit there and play with you because he's gonna do it and he's not gonna stop and it's gonna be a battle. And when the Lord gave me this word, I kid you not, every time temptation came, every time uh, the, the enemy tried to start talking to me about my finances, or how about this one? Every time people that I've been believing that aren't saved, aren't in church yet, you get attacked with these things. Every time these will come to my mind, I heard the Lord say, don't let the devil have your remote. And you got to speak God's promises over your life. So we know God says, let there be light. And then God's, God, God goes ahead and he then, now he creates everything, right? In six days, like Christine said, seventh day, right? He made it holy. And then the Bible says this, it says, 
And I love this part, and it, and it, and it got me, because when I read it, it said, Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. And I thought, there was no shrubs before Adam and Eve came. All the shrubs, you were once a shrub, I was once a shrub. Come on. There were none until the fall. Then we all became them. Sorry, y'all. We still love you. So we keep going. There was, no, there, was, there was no shrubs. And then it says this. It says, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, right? We know Adam comes in. God creates everything. And then as God's looking at his creation, he goes, I forgot to make somebody. I need somebody to work the ground. So then he forms man from dust. And then he breathes life into the man that he created, which is where I believe that soul was created. When your spirit comes into your body, that's your mind, your will, and your emotions. All of that stemmed from your thought life. And so God created Adam. He breathed into him the breath of life. And then now I want you guys, I want you to see this picture that I'm creating. It's the earth, it's Adam, and it's God. And that's it. Eve had not yet been created. And God gives Adam this commandment that you see on the screen says, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, we also know this and I'll prove it to you later in the scriptures, is that Jesus in the book of Revelations talks about a second death. There's a second death. So we know that through this scripture, right, we've all faced one death. There's no getting around that. One day we're all going to die. That sounded kind of mean, but you guys are with me. But what he's talking about here is that a spiritual death is going to occur. So God's telling Adam, look, son, don't eat from this tree and you can eat from that one. If you eat from that tree, you will certainly die. You will lose relationship with me. What trees are you eating from? And we wonder why some of us are so spiritually malnutritioned. We wonder why life seems a lot harder than other people's lives. Are you feeding yourself on the word? Or does the devil have your remote and you've been sitting and meditating in that past that you went through? You're still reliving it. And it's still, that pain still feels like, now hear my heart, it still feels like it happened yesterday. But could it be this, is that the enemy has taken your remote and he's controlled your thinking and he's got you meditating in a past that God has called you out of. He did that to me. 28 years I lived in the world. My thinking was all jacked up. All jacked up. And he pulled me into the kingdom. But in the process from going from the world to the kingdom, you guys need to understand that there is a transformation process that has to happen with it. 
If you want to receive the promises and the things of God, the joy, let's get, let's get to the stuff that, doesn't even, that you can't pay for. The happiness, the joy, the freedom, the peace. If you want to get that stuff, you're going to have to do some work. We can't be content. Because I'm telling you, the devil's going to sit there. He's going to keep taking that remote from you. But you got to fight and take it back. You have to fight and take it back. So then, as we keep reading, so we got Adam and God, right? We got Adam and God, and then God gives him the commandment. God tells Adam, don't eat from the fruit of that tree. And then he says that for Adam, not, no suitable helper was found. So then we know God then creates Eve from Adam's rib. Everybody tracking with me, amen? Everybody's tracking with me. So he takes, Adam, he takes Eve from his rib. This is very interesting to me, and, and I'm going to show it to you on Genesis chapter 3. Right here, what it says is this. So now God creates Adam and Eve. Now we have on the earth, we have God, we have Adam, and we have Eve. And it's very interesting to me because now this is where the fall comes in. And the Bible says this. It says, now the serpent, the devil, he was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. How many of you got some pets in here? You guys have some, some little dogs, some little dogs. Have they, ever, uh, have they ever been pretty crafty? No? My mom got these little toy poodles, right? I want to tell you this story. I, it, it blew my mind when this happened to me because I didn't realize how smart these dogs were. So my mom had this little toy poodle. It's so, it's so crazy to me. He, she has this little toy poodle, and he's fine. He's walking fine, right? So when these toy poodles, when they don't get attention, they like to fake injuries. So this time in particular, stay with me, this time in particular, the dog's back legs went, he acted like he was paralyzed. And he was walking around dragging his back legs everywhere. I mean, we were totally convinced. Month, just dragging his back legs everywhere. Dragging his back legs everywhere. I come walking out of the house one day. You won't believe it. This little dog is sitting over in the book. He doesn't know I'm there. And he's just strutting around just. And I thought, oh, my Lord, that dog is so smart. And then I started paying attention to him. And I'm like, then the other dog sees that dog doing it. So then that dog's walking with a limp. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, come here, I'll give you some love. Come here, come here, I'll give you some love. <laughs> but when I read that scripture, I thought of that. I thought, man, animals are crafty. But the Bible says that the serpent was craftier than all of the animals. And then he says this. He said to the woman. He said to the woman. Very interesting to me that he didn't go to Adam. He went to Eve. Right? And as we keep reading here, it says, did God really say? How many of you have heard that one before? We got the heart of the, heart of the house offering coming up, right? You start praying for your pledges and stuff. Did God really say that's the number he gave you? Did God really say that? That always comes after when you heard it. And I remember when I, I uh, on our last heart of, of the house, it was, it was to get into the building. And the Lord told me, I want you to sell your car. 
And this car was sentimental. It was a car that my dad gave me for my 16th birthday. It was worth a little bit of money. And then the Lord's like, no, 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 no. I want you to sell it and give it to the kingdom. And here came that enemy. Here came that serpent. Did God really say that? And then this is how he operated. He operated in the people that were close, the most closest to me. People that were most closest to me. This is why it is important. This is why it is so important for disciples, for us, that when we come out of the world and we come into the church, that we surround ourselves with people in the church. Not this. We come out of the world, we go to church, and then we go back to the world. And then we wonder why our life's still in shambles, our life's a mess. We wonder why when we're going through some stuff, we're going through something, these people always want to take from me. But if you would just get over to the kingdom of God and get around some good Christian people who are really following God, then when you start stumbling or falling, they're going to pick you up right away. That's why it's important when we come into the kingdom. It's important. God wants you to have friends. He wants you to have a good time, but just not the way you used to do it. Not the way you used to do it. When I first got saved, I was like, God, I'm all in with you. Whatever you want, God, I'm in. Let's go. You just pulled me out of darkness. Literally, you pulled me from the gates of hell. Whatever you want me to do, I'll serve you. And I started coming to church. Then there's a pastor up here named Pastor Sergio. Started talking about the same thing. Then you start hearing other people in the church. And then God starts speaking. It's time to get rid of some of those old friends. It's time to get rid of some of those people. You can't be in that atmosphere. It's not healthy for us. Because you know what happens? You step into this atmosphere and you start feeding on what these people are saying. It's very interesting to me that the devil didn't go to Adam. He went to Eve to get Adam to sin. He didn't go to Adam straight. That's why we got to be careful with who we surround ourselves by. Because the voices, the enemy might not even be messing with you. And you guys are over here swearing up and down the devil's army. No, it's the people you surround yourself by. Because the enemy's speaking right through them. And now you're feeding on their words. Come on. You guys got to see this. And now the devil snatches your remote. And God says, no, sow that car, son, because I'm trying to get something to you. God isn't a taker. God's a multiplier. So if God's trying to take, if God wants me to give my car to a kingdom, he's going to multiply. And since then, I have given that car. I got three more. Amen. Worth way more money than that car was. And I'm still believing for more. But we have to be careful because I'm trying to expose the enemy's craftiness because he's really not that crafty. He does the same thing over and over again. If he can get you around the same person, well, why switch it up? Why change? If you're still dating somebody that isn't a Christian, that is not on the same path as you, if you're still messing around with people in those circles, what do you think you're going to feed off of? You're going to go to give your pledge, 
and your girlfriend, your wife, whoever it might be, she ain't saved. She's going to be like, you crazy. Are you kidding me? But you go into the kingdom, you get your girlfriend, you get your wife over here, and you go, God, I got to give $15,000. She's going to go, yes and amen. Some of the things God asks us to do don't make sense. I'll agree with that. And he won't show us the whole picture. But God is faithful. It says every word of God will not fail. But see, now, whether or not you hold on to that word, whether or not you believe it, or whether or not you don't believe it, that's going to be the deciding factor in whether you receive the promise or not. But don't give up and don't let the devil have your remote. So let's keep reading. So now the serpent was more craftier than the wild animals. So he said to the woman, did God really say, right? You must not eat from the tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. So now hold on a minute. God created Adam. He gave Adam the commandment. Right? I showed you it. God gave Adam the commandment. How does Eve know it? So that tells me this. Adam and Eve must have had a conversation. And this proves the point that we teach here all the time, that if the voice of God, besides through his word, the voice of God is going to speak to you He's going to speak to you in one, of, in one of three ways. The people you meet, the messages you hear, or the books you read. We see here, Adam and Eve, they have this conversation. God spoke to Adam. Adam spoke to Eve. God spoke to Adam. Adam spoke to Eve. But catch this. One word and all of humanity has fallen. Everything you see in this world, the chaos, the wars, all these things that are not from God that you see in this world, the gang violence in our communities. The devil switched one word. He said, you will not certainly die. She said, but God said, we will die. The devil said, we will not die. One word, one word changed all of humanity. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So now she's having a conversation with the devil and the devil's persuading her. Through what? His words. So if the devil persuaded Eve through his words, hello, what do you think he's going to do to you? Your thinking. Your thought life. Words. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, 
she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So what happened? She decides to have a conversation with the devil. She decides to sit a little bit too long in that thinking. When you read in the book of Luke or you read in the four gospels, we see how the devil tempted Jesus. We all know this story. And the first thing the devil attacked Jesus with was his identity. Remember it? He said, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, if you are who God says you are. So what God is going to, what the devil is going to try to do is he's going to try to remind you a lot of those past experiences. Who you used to be. The streets you used to run around. The people you used to hang out with. And then what he'll do is he'll send those old friends. You guys ever ran? I run into them all the time. I don't know why. It might just be me. I don't know. I'll be at the gym. I'll be at Walmart. I'll be somewhere. And then I'm like, oh, no, I used to run the streets with this person. How you doing? And they don't have any idea who I am now in Christ. But to them, I'm the same person. And because of that, the enemy tries to use them to persuade me. But you see, since I've been saved, over time, you have to develop, you have to train yourself. I had to train myself that my thinking is not correct. Growing up to the age of 28, before I got sober, growing up, all my thinking is garbage. I grew up in the fall. I used to think it was okay to steal pills from my grandma. What kind of thinking is that? So that she suffers the pain so that I can get high? What kind of thinking is that? The devil had my thought life. He had the way I was thinking. And I don't want him to have yours. I don't want him to have yours. Don't let the devil have your remote. Don't let him take you back to the past. Don't let him remind you. There's times I still get the thought, but I have trained myself to not accept it. Because whether or not you're going to receive the promises that this book offers, it comes in rejecting or accepting what it says. And when these thoughts come, I mean, I've literally woken up out of dreams. They've came in dreams. They came in thoughts. Come on. You guys ain't never had a bad dream before? Woke up terrified? I've had relapse dreams. They're scary. I mean, I've had relapse dreams that are so, that it, that it affected me so much mentally in my dream. The picture that I saw I literally woke up feeling every feeling, every single feeling that came with the relapse. I felt it. I felt the condemnation. I felt the shame of going, man, I let my church down. I let my family down. And one of the biggest ones was my first thought. And I said, man, I'm going to have to tell Pastor Sergio I relapsed. I mean, I've literally woke up thinking that the dream was so powerful. That is the effect the devil knows that he can have on your thought life. 
That's the effect. He can create the desire to set you out on a course of action that God has never intended for you. So we read here in Genesis, and, and, and then after these scriptures, we see, so the, the devil persuades Eve. And then, I love this part of the Bible, it says, it says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And I looked at different translations. I think they all almost say it. So I'm like, okay, this is the part they didn't, they, they, they made it clear. So I picture how many of you guys, when you woke out this morning, you were like, well, I don't know, this is 11 a.m. service. Was it cool this morning when you guys walked out your house? A little bit? Was it a lot better than yesterday? Come on. I walked out this morning and I was feeling so good. I was like, whoo, thank you, Jesus, let's go. Whoo, boy, it was hot yesterday. So I love it. And he's creating this picture. God created the earth. He got Adam and Eve. He's chilling. His work is done. He's finished. It says he's walking through the cool of the day. Let's go ahead and go to Genesis 3.13. And this is what I want you guys to see. So, so God first goes to Adam. They sin. God first goes to Adam. And it says this, he says, he says, and God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Then the man said, which is Adam, the woman you put with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Adam straight told on his girl, quick, no hesitation. Come on, y'all ever have them family members growing up? Come on, I've been there. I remember the first time I tried some weed, tried some, something to drink, got busted, pointed the finger right at my sister. She gave it to me. Okay, y'all, y'all, y'all. Okay, never mind, my bad. Okay, <laughs> so then he goes to Adam. Adam tells on his girl. Then he says this, the Lord God said to the woman, there it is, what is it that thou hast done? Which means... What is it that you have done? So now, Adam and Eve, they sin, right? Then God goes to her, says, what have you done? He wants to know, what happened? And I want you to see this response. Because this is what Eve is telling God the devil did to her. To create all of this chaos you see today. He says, the serpent, she said, the serpent beguiled me. And I did eat. Go ahead and throw the definition of that word. Catch this, and I caught it. Beguiled means this, to mentally seduce, to attract someone to a belief, or set on a misguided course of action. Is that not good? So let's go back to the verse. Let's read it with the translation that we have now. So it says, the, warping, the serpent mentally seduced me and I ate the fruit. The serpent misguided me and set me on a course of action. How many of you in here have been mentally seduced? The devil's got some of us here so mentally seduced right now. 
And he's taken our remote. And he's stolen it from us. He's taken it. But you have to take your remote back. Don't let the devil mentally seduce you by the way you think. Because that's what he's going to try to do. And if he did it to take down mankind, what makes you think he ain't coming for you? Because God has called you. He called you out from the dark and placed you in a marvelous light for such a time as this. There is somebody in this generation. There is another Pastor Willard out there that doesn't have a hand reaching out to him and pulling him out of that darkness. The Bible says that we got the ministry of reconciliation. Which you've been freely given, now go give to somebody else. Don't sit back and be content. And that's what a lot of us do. We're just content with being saved. We're just content with going to heaven. There's more to it than that. There's a better life than that. Don't let the enemy mentally seduce you anymore. And ever since God told me that, little by little every day, it built. That same temptation tried to keep up, it built. And that thought will come, don't let the enemy change your remote. Say, you're right, God. Nope, I see where he's going. God brought light to the darkened area of my thinking. And he wants to do it for you too. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been feeding yourself, but I do know this. If you don't feed from the water of the word, you're going to slowly start to spiritually die. You're going to be weak. The Bible says that it gives us strength. It's not the gym. The Bible gives you strength. The word gives you strength. And what I have noticed is that when I can control my thinking, when I can sit in these scriptures and take the time and think about what God is telling us. And as I sit in these scriptures and I start asking God all these questions. Why Eve? Why didn't the serpent go to Adam first? As I start meditating in these things, this strength right here on the inside of me, this strength starts coming. This strength starts coming and I feel like I could take on anything. But if I'm over here, if I'm over here and I've been feeding on the wrong crowd, right? The devil used words. The Bible says this, it says, when the woman saw. So, so my married couples here, or even singles, it's okay. You got loved ones, right? So we all agree, right? God told Adam the commandment. So it makes sense, right? It makes sense that Eve told his girl the commandment. Come on, if God told you something and you love somebody, aren't you going to tell them if this is going to kill you? Like, hey, I don't like you using drugs. It's killing you. I don't like you drinking. It's going to kill you. Right? Don't you think that Adam and Eve had a conversation then? He's like, hey, babe, look, check it out. 
God created me first, and now you're here with me. Thank the Lord. But he told me this. He gave her the commandment. Now, wouldn't you also think that if there's trees that you're going to point out to the one you love? Like, for example, let me put a bottle of water here and a bottle of liquor. That is not good for you. You drink the water, not the liquor. Come on. You guys see it? You're going to tell the person that you love not to drink from that stuff. And that's what I believe Adam and Eve had that conversation. Let's continue. So I have a couple different ways. We have a couple more minutes here, but just to kind of give you guys something to take back your remote. Take it back. Because we have to be careful. Here's a big one. Don't set expectations on people. We're all born in the fall. We'll let you down. As much as my heart wants to help people, as much as my heart wants to spend time and extra time with people that I might not be able to give, I can't control the way they think. I can't control the way they receive things. So we have to be careful. We have to put our hope. We have to put our expectations in the word. You set your expectations on God and what he said, you will never become displeased. Because this is what happens when we become displeased. After you become displeased with somebody, you then become offended. And catch this. Then it breaks off two different ways. Number one, you go back to sin. Or number two, you go to bitterness. Both are not good for you. So we have to set our expectations on God. I remember people used to frustrate me when I was in my addiction. I get mad at people. And here's that, 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 that uh, thinking that I thought I had was correct, that was all off. I used to think, well, because I'm mad at you, now I'm going to go get high. Which is going, I'm mad at you, so now I'm going to go kill myself. That's what I used to do. The thinking was so jacked up. But God loves us so much, he gives us the way to think. The devil comes to kill, to steal, and destroy, and he's not going to stop just because you are who you are. We're going to have to fight. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. Faith is what pleases God. It's what pleases God. I remember... I was, sitting in my, I was sitting in my room, and, and I was reading scripture, and, and I had my cell phone sitting just like this right here, and as I'm reading the scripture and I'm spending some time with the Lord, I remember I read the scripture, and God said that if you build my house, I will build yours. Now, catch this. As he said, I will build yours, that instant my phone rang. And it was my mom. Before I even answered the phone call, I looked up and went, you got to be kidding me. Has anybody ever had an experience with God like that where the timing of God is undeniable? Not too long ago, about a week ago, I I had opened one of my notebooks. And I decided I wanted to read this page. And it said June 19, 2020. 
And what I did is I wrote down that moment I had with God. I wrote it down. I reminded myself. And I wrote it down. And I said, God, you promised me that if I build your house, you will build mine. God, you promised me if I serve in your house, if I do what it is that you asked me to do, you're going to bring me a good wife, God. You're going to bring my family out of, out of the pit of hell in the world, and you're going to pull them into the kingdom. Can I share something with you? That promise is sitting right here. Sixty days clean and sober, completely different person. And I was praying for that and praying. And it was hard because you hear the testimonies of other people. And then you start hearing that voice. Did God really say? Is that really what God said? That was in a different translation. Come on, anybody heard that one? I don't know. I heard that one. That's not in the King James. I'm telling you, you be coming. But that promise is sitting here. But my job, this is the only thing God required. Son, I just need you to believe me. That because when I do it, my timing, she's going to change forever. She's not. I've had my mom for the last 60 days that I've never met my whole life. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's just more reason to believe God. But it's all up to me whether I accepted what he said or would I toss it out and do it in the trash. Oh, God, I'm never going to see it happen. In that process, the enemy had my remote. Some of you might be in a process right now where some promises ain't coming in the past. And we've been feeding on the wrong channel for too long. And the enemy has your remote. Take it back. Take it back. Yes. Let me give you three ways to take back your remote through the scriptures. Number one, number one, write this down if you're taking notes. Number one, you have to filter your thought life. You have to filter your thought life. Let me show it to you. Second Corinthians 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. You ready? Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And here it is. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Why is the Bible telling me to cast down every thought? It's because the devil wants your thinking. And the devil wants your remote. Give God your remote. Give God your thinking. Give God your heart. Give God your life. He's not a taker. I said it earlier. God's not a taker. He's a multiplier. He's a multiplier. Bringing into captivity every thought. Number one, filter your thought life. Number two, you ready? Romans 12, 1 and 2. We have to renew our mind to the, what the word says. We have to renew our mind. We have to hold tight, you guys. We have to hold tight on the God's promises. Like I said, set your expectations on him. 
Hold on to that promise until you see it to come to pass. The Bible says that every word of God will not fail. The mentality that I've taught myself and I've trained myself and I've developed over this time to be where I'm at today, it's a process. But when I hold on to a promise from God, I tell God, God, listen, like I'm somebody, but God, listen, I'm holding on to this promise. And if I don't see it fulfilled in the earth that you promised me, then we're going to talk about it when I meet you in heaven. You're going to have to show me. That's how tight I have to hold on to that word. That's how tight I have to hold on to what God says about the promises in our life. Last one. Number three, you ready? You have to feed yourself, ourselves. We have to feed ourselves water from the word. Whether you feed yourself or not, nothing stays neutral. We don't stay neutral. It's, it's a constant change. It's a slow, constant change always. Those trees out there, they're going to constantly pull water. Us as trees, we have to constantly pull water. Last scripture, let me prove it to you. Revelations chapter 21, verses 6 through 8. And Jesus is speaking here and he says, and he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Here it is. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who drinks. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who drinks. He who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But here it is, you ready? But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burned the lake in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death the unbelieving let's bow our heads and close our eyes if you are here today and you are the unbelieving you are the sexually immoral you are the idolater you are the liar. Don't feel no shame or no condemnation because I was too. But I had to go from unbelieving to believing that Jesus died on the cross for me not to experience death. We get relationship with God, but it's only through Jesus Christ. I think that this is your way of telling me something. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.